Iowa is a podcast highlighting innovators and leaders across the state of Iowa. It's hosted by the Technology Association of Iowa, an organization that serves as the uniting force for Iowa's technology community. Visit technologyiowa.org to learn more about how to get involved. My name is Beth Trejo, and I'll be your host for today's show. Today on our show, we will have Greg Bailey. He is the CEO and founder of Denim, located in Des Moines, Iowa. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Beth. Great to be here. Well, we are really excited to have you. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Sure. Happy to and appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. I've been an avid listener of the show, and so great work and kudos to you for hosting. Well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today. As you mentioned, my name is Greg Bailey. I'm the CEO and founder of Denim. Denim is a software company headquartered in Des Moines, and we have built a suite of software tools that are used to best connect humans to other humans in local markets at scale. And we do that specifically within regulated industries, much like insurance companies and financial services companies, banks, credit unions, wealth management firms, and the like. So that's really what Denim is all about. It's marketing technology meant for the financial services industry. And I've been doing that and building and working on Denim now for between four and five years. Prior to that, I spent a little more than two decades in the insurance and financial services industry as a marketing leader and a marketing executive. So that's a little bit about my background and come out of that industry that we're now serving and improving. And you guys have a pretty good-sized team there at Denim. Is that correct? How many people do you guys have? So at the moment, we're running with six, but we'll be scaling that again in 2020, early in 2020. But yeah, talent, as you probably know, throughout Iowa is at a premium right now. And so we're very happy to say that we've got alumni now working at great companies like Hy-Vee, where they've cut their teeth or previously worked at Denim. And now they're working at other in, in fact, in, in some other tech startups around Des Moines, but in other bigger companies, much like hy So yeah, proud of our team. And, and we'll talk a little bit more, I'm sure, about our people. It's one of the biggest impacts I feel like we've had. Yeah, we see that too. So just in case the listeners don't know, um, my company, Chattercake, we're a social media agency. So Greg, we really should connect after the show because um, I'm, I'm sure we could talk shop for a long time. Tell me a little bit more. Let's jump in right in, into the talent situation because we see that a lot where high need industries you're really developing awesome team members but a lot of people want those awesome team members so how have you been able to kind of grow that culture and kind of celebrate them in and celebrate them out as you guys have grown over the last couple of years yeah so I appreciate the the question in this topic because I view culture as almost like an insurance premium that we pay in order to kind of fortify or to make our place of work the best we possibly can. And ultimately, kind of goes back, I think Henry Ford said it way back when, which was something along the lines of culture eats strategy for breakfast. And we fully embrace that and know that and understand that. And look, No one's ever going to work for the same company we don't believe for their entire life. We think that's a bygone era, but we do view culture as kind of like that necessary thing that all companies need to invest heavily into in order to create the best work environment possible for our people. And if we do that, then we feel like our people are going to perform their best for us and by virtue then for our customers and our stakeholders. And so we really believe in developing a great culture. Things like creating core values go hand in hand with that. We spent a lot of time as a small company back in 2018 creating our values and what we wanted to stand for, I guess, as an employer and also though how to live those values day in and day out. As a young startup, we feel like that's very, very important as well. Yeah, do you have any tips or things like tactical things that you guys have done on culture or to help really facilitate 
and weave in those core values that you could share with our listeners? One thing is carve out calendar time as a team, as an entire company, and talk about them. And when you're creating those, there's kind of a framework. There are many different frameworks you can use. But we had a framework that we used where we involved every employee that we have. Everybody in our entire company had a say and had multiple opportunities to voice into what they felt like our culture should be and what our values should be as we were in the kind of the creation mode of all of that. And ultimately, it wasn't me as the founder saying, hey, this is what it's going to be. Not everybody act this way or everybody behave this way. It was much more of a grassroots, organic type process from the ground up that everybody had voice into. And so by doing that, in that type of framework, then everyone is accustomed and ready and eager to live by those values and do day in and day out and live that culture because it is organic and it is native to who we are as individuals. And so I would just say that the tactical element of that is just carve out calendar time where the entire organization gets together and just focuses on that with objectives, you know, to march that forward. That's a process. It's an evolution. For us, it took about nine months of multiple times of getting together as a team and organization to work on that process before we ever felt like, okay, we think we've actually kind of got it now. That said, I'm sure it's a living and kind of evolving type topic. So over time, it'll continue to evolve, I'm sure. Yeah. And I think that I love that advice because so many times I feel like those core values get buried in some handbook or in, you know, a strategic plan that was once held and then they kind of fall to the wayside. I know one thing that we've done um, organizationally is just open our meetings with just shout outs to people who are demonstrating those core values and um, trying to keep them at the forefront. And it sounds like you guys have done something similar. We're making sure that they're part of the day to day instead of the, you know, that day that they were developed. Yeah, exactly. So I would say one other kind of very tactical, minor, it might, might seem minor to a lot of people, but it is interesting that we've put a little bit of design or iconography to each one of our values. And those little icons that we've custom created and designed for each one of ours, you can see them on our website if anybody's interested, those are unique to us. So for example, one of our, our values is be awesome. And we've defined each what be awesome means, and we've defined what create impact means, and we've defined what be open means, and, and, and so on and so forth. And so the icon for be awesome as one of our values is a cupcake with a candle, a lit candle on the top of the cupcake. And that has a lot of internal meaning to us, just that the fact of the cupcake. There's a whole philosophy around product development and product design that we use the cupcake. There's a whole aspect of celebratory aspects of what we do when we ship new product and when we celebrate our employees and our team members for various occasions that we bring in cupcakes. And so it's got all of these different kind of nuanced meanings to us, you know, that somebody from from afar would look at us and go, oh, isn't that cute? They put a cupcake where it says be awesome. Um, so I think that another tactical piece of advice is find those types of things that are meaningful to your company that make sense to the people that work there probably won't make a lot of sense, though, to others. Right. But I feel like that really just kind of unites everybody. If you kind of have, you know, those inside, I don't want to say jokes, it's not really meant for the humor side of things, but really that inside vocabulary and celebrations. And, you know, people want to be part of that tribe, obviously, as you know, you've built a company around social. And this is a really great idea for people to take if they want to build that internally. So I love that. And I had a chance to look at those. And and you're right, they don't probably mean as much to the outside person, although you do have great description 
questions on here on you know what that means as for a company. So kudos to you for yeah. that. I think that's some great tips. So let's talk Thanks. about your company. So you are a software company. How did you find the need for this particular product and did it start the same as what it is today? So I'll take the second question first, which is no. We have evolved and changed like a lot of companies do and products do over time. And so I think that's paramount that as you get into the market and the infamous product market fit, which I would suggest we're still searching for day in and day out, that's not some like target you hit once and then you've got it forever. That's an evolving type process over time for any type business. Yeah, we have evolved and our product continues to evolve. We just shipped some new product last week that we haven't even announced yet that we're getting some customer feedback on at the moment with customers using this product that we've built. And it is kind of the largest next step, I would suggest, that we've made with our entire product suite and really handling what we call the post-click experience um, after a post or after an ad is seen by a consumer. So the first question you asked was, how do I identify the need? And it goes back to my 20 plus year history of leading marketing teams and leading marketing efforts at large financial services companies. So back a few years ago, I was leading as vice president of marketing. I was leading marketing at Pacific Life Insurance Company based in Southern California and had a team of 55 or so people stood up and built up the first ever digital marketing team within Pacific Life, a Fortune 500 insurance company. That was also during the same time period that the iPhone and iPad were launched. That was also during the same time period that, for example, a few years after that, that Facebook was going on their IPO roadshow and the whole rumor mill was, hey, Facebook doesn't have a mobile app. They're missing mobile entirely. And now today, of course, that's like, really, there was Facebook before there was a mobile app for Facebook? Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, living through all of that and bringing kind of the technology industry of the social and mobile aspects of technology into the financial services realm, we started to identify that there were gaps. And one of the biggest gaps we saw was it was extremely difficult. And today in 2019, 2020 continues to be extremely difficult for large corporate or central marketing teams to localize and personalize various types of marketing messages on mobile devices to consumers on their, their most local and personal type device that they have. And so, and to do that, by the way, in a very compliant way where regulators aren't going to get up all bent out of shape because you have regulated companies doing things they shouldn't be doing in, in some cases. So we wanted to build a kind of a, a, a compliance wrapper around this software, if you will, that allowed these companies to do this, to connect their local agents or local sales representatives, local dealers and franchisees with consumers in their local markets and personalize each one of those marketing messages. But at the same time, recognize that you can't do that one at a time on a manual basis. You need software to be able to do that effectively. And so we built that software. And today it's extremely efficient. It's extremely effective in terms of the performance that it returns for our customers. And so today, as an example, we know that when a local insurance agent is connected on mobile to a consumer in their target market, the consumer is 250% more likely to engage with that local agent's marketing message than they are with a brand's marketing message when the marketing message is identical to the exact same consumer. And so question really begs, okay, how do you connect more local sales reps at scale, at national scale with, uh, with targeted consumers in these local markets? 
I love it. And we see the exact same thing. So I feel like you definitely hit a need. And I think it's tricky for a lot of these local kind of independent experts to be able to figure out this technology or figure out the whole social selling and social thought leadership space. So can you walk us through just like a day to day how someone would may use your product? Do you actually distribute the content for them as well? Or is it the thread that ties the two together? Yeah. So today, Denim is all about paid media. So unlike Buffer or Hootsuite or some of these other social, uh, organic social media sharing and scheduling and posting tools, Denim doesn't do that component today. Who knows? We may in the future, but we don't today. We are 100% focused on how to optimize the ad spend or the media buy that is placed behind paid advertising campaigns on mobile and social. And so we leverage these social media networks and other mobile ad networks to be able to place these very, very micro-targeted ads to the right personas or people, right, consumers and local markets from local sales reps or local dealerships, et cetera, in these local markets. And so how does someone use Denim? It's typically an enterprise marketer or an agency marketer, maybe not unlike Chatterkick, for example. And they would log into their Denim account and select the client if it's an agency-type situation or if it's a brand uh, working on you know, marketing better. They would just log into their Denim account. They would create their audiences using various data sources. They would, those are consumer audiences. They would upload their images or videos or creative assets, their content to create a campaign. They would identify the disposition of that campaign, meaning they have a website or a landing page, for example, that they want the click through to be directed to. They would set up a lot of different components that way, one of which would be which group, they create a group of local dealers or a group of local sales representatives that they want to launch a campaign on behalf of. And when they create that group, Denim then understands which local markets each one of those sales reps or dealers is located in. And so we're using geographical data to be able to localize each message and target that message. And then ultimately they launch the campaign for a certain time period with a certain budget. And Denim then takes care of optimizing automatically in every local market that campaign for each local representative or local dealer. Wow, that sounds awesome. It sounds like it also is very advanced technologically. How did you get into technology? And do you have any advice for someone who's looking to kind of grow within that current career or someone just starting out? Yeah, I was, you know, as a young kid, very enamored by tech, but I wasn't enamored by tech in the sense that I wanted to learn how to build technology or, or learn how to code, which I don't know how to do to this day. But I was always enamored by how people use technology and just kind of that human computer interface interaction. And so that was more of my uh, approach to technology was how are people using technology to gather information, to communicate um, and then building tools that could more effectively do that for a certain type of audience or a certain type of market. So that was really, you know, I could date back to, for example, when I was a kid, I'll date myself here. Uh, my very first computer was a Radio Shack TRS-80. And I absolutely loved hooking that up to our 13-inch black and white TV as a monitor and, and a cassette tape recorder as the disk drive and playing a flight simulator game on the TRS-80, for example. And then over time, I got... Um, I can remember one Christmas as a kid, my family got me a brand new IBM PC and had OS2 was the operating system on it, for example, for those out there that might remember that. And so I've always been this avid you know, user of technology 
more recently, uh, you know, my interest has been squarely in the mobile and social media space and the interaction of all of that with the financial services industry. That's been my kind of path around uh, being an avid user and enthusiast of, of technology. I would say from an advice perspective, uh, if, if someone's looking at the at becoming a, t- a technologist or working in the space, be an avid and enthusiastic user of technology. I think that would just be kind of like table stakes. If you don't actively use it and want to figure it out and understand it at, at its depths, it's kind of difficult then to ever work in the industry, I think. That's great advice. Very um, straightforward and I think extremely valuable because you're right. That's probably a, a good place to at least start. Thank you so much, Greg, for coming on the show. We really enjoyed the conversation. And if people want to learn more about you and Denim, where should they go? Sure. I'd be happy to chat with anyone directly. You can certainly send me a quick email. My email is gbailey at denimlabs.com, gbailey at denimlabs.com. Check out our website, uh, denimlabs.com. And uh, you can always find me on Twitter as well, at Denim CEO. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. The TAI Technically Iowa podcast is sponsored by the Iowa Economic Development Authority, or IEDA. Our state has the second lowest cost of doing business in the country. Let IEDA help you get started at iowaeda.com.